other day. Okay. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Go playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Welcome to this playoff edition of our Defending the Kingdom podcast. Of course, brought to you by 360 Vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chiefs Kingdom. I had to put everybody in the mood here now. I got my virtual background since we're, you know, we're still in this COVID protocol, but I had to put everybody in my Sunday night football background. For those of you that are watching and listening, uh, I just got to give good barbershop a feel and Matt McMullen. By the way, Matt McMullen joining me, Chiefs reporter, and the man we call the shop, the barbershop, the Spider-Man, number four, number 59. He's got it going on, Sean Barber. Uh, all right. First of all, quick, Matt, do you have anybody around the world that is uh, joining in this week on Defending the Kingdom? How do I? I mean, this is the best part of our show every single week, right? Is all the people all over the country, all over the world listening to DTK. And as always, we have tons. So we'll start with the people around the world. We have Richard in Tokyo, a fan in Honduras, Josh in New Zealand. This is kind of cool. So the game last week was on a Saturday, obviously, but the whole international dateline thing, Josh was watching on a Sunday morning live, of course, uh, while eating breakfast. So we're representing out there in New Zealand. Then also we have a fan in Thailand and they challenged me to say the name of the town that they live in. It's a mouthful, but I'm going to give it a go here. Nakansi Thamarat. Nakansi Thamarat. I think that's along the right lines of what that place is called. We're representing in Nakamsi Thamarat. Let me know if I pronounced that correctly in the comments. Then lots of people, as always, all over the country. So Tuck in Wetumpka, Oklahoma. Ignacio in Santa Barbara, California, or as he calls it, Arrowhead West. I like that. Troy in Shinglehouse, Pennsylvania. Pat in Owasso, Oklahoma. Marco in Calexico, California. Dennis in Turlock, California. Martin in Fresno, California. Lots of people in California this week. Nikki in Hannibal, Missouri. Juan in Santa Maria, California. And this is kind of cool. If you remember Anthony from last week, he's from Joplin, but drives all over the country in a truck and has a Chiefs decal on it. So he's representing wherever he goes. Well, Juan says he's seen that truck in California. So pretty cool. Um, Cole from Somerset, Kentucky. Uh, Maricris in San Diego. Harold in Lakewood Ranch, Florida. John from Lebanon, Missouri. Gary in Donna, Texas. Chaz in Greenville, South Carolina, but he's originally from Lake Quivira, Kansas, which is a special place to me because I got married in Lake Quivira, Kansas. So uh, shout out to Chaz. William in Rhode Island. Derek in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Herb and Kathy in Kohler, Wisconsin, which is 60 miles from Lambeau, but they're representing Chiefs Kingdom up there in Wisconsin. And then lastly, Bob in Littleton, Colorado, outside Denver. We shouted him out last week, but he was checking in on how I'm doing with my in-laws this time around. For those of you that don't know, my in-laws are huge Broncos fans. I know it's kind of weird. We have kind of like a 12-hour rule in our family, so we really don't talk about the game uh, until about 12 hours after the fact for Chiefs first Broncos games. Um, But around noon on Sunday, I got the text from my father-in-law uh, wanting to talk about the game. It's all good. No worries. Everything is everything is fine. If you're wondering out there, Matt, how could you marry into a Broncos family? The good news is, since I met my wife, we've never lost to the Broncos. We're undefeated. So we're going to keep this thing going here. Well, your, your marriage is destined to be just a great and long one and be blessed. And I always love it. On the, we bring the defending kingdom just brings the world together, doesn't it? The Lebanon Yellow Jackets. It's the Lebanon Yellow Jackets. And then... Uh, tied into Thailand. So there we go, shop. All right. Speaking of tight end, here we go. The Steelers. This is fresh, man. Three weeks ago, uh, played these guys in the regular season, 136 to 10. I want the whole kingdom 
listening on defending, forget about that game. Forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, because it's the playoffs and it's the Steelers. Hard-nosed, hard-minded. Um, let's just go into drawing the Steelers in this first round after that crazy, crazy regular season week 18. Shop your thoughts on getting the 2-7 game against Pittsburgh. Well, I, I like the way that the Chiefs ended the season. Uh, we ended the season with a purpose. We knew we was destined for the playoffs. Um, so we did, we, we did what we had to do. We took care of business and got the ship right. Um, on the other hand, Pittsburgh Steelers, you can tell by the, the elation, I guess, on IG in the locker room, um, they were quite ecstatic about um, surviving another week, creating another opportunity to play, possibly playoff football. But they had to wait until Sunday night football was over for there not to be a tie for them to feel like they had true life in the playoffs. So we were able to turn the page and get prepared for the playoffs. And as Andy has said, they prepared themselves for the Steelers. They, they knew that the odds were that the Steelers were going to be the team we're going to play against. And the, that whole day, uh, being able to have players watching a team play, uh, when it's do or die, watching those players play the Pittsburgh Steelers, how they were going to play, the tenacity, the amount of aggression and anger, the, 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 the effort they were showing out there on the field. So we know exactly what we're going to get coming here to Arrowhead Stadium. We're going to get a, a, a team that's going to be uh, uh, wide, is going to be hot off that edge. Uh, Claiborne is going to be making some athletic catches. And Najee Harris is going to be a man to be reckoned with out the backfield. And we got a guy who's timeless, right? Big Ben is timeless. Uh, all the time catches up with a lot of people, but it seems like it hasn't caught up with that guy yet. So like you said, we got to erase what happened three or four weeks ago because now, guess what? All the records get cleaned off. It's playoff football, and so it's either win or go home. I said this, if Mike Tomlin's walking down that tunnel leading that team on the field, you got to be ready to go because for 50 years, Tomlin, Cower before him, Chuck Noll before him, this has been a tough team that's got a lot of pride. That's all you got to go in this game. Matt, you had your Matt stat of the year, maybe, because what's interesting in this game is the alpha and omega nature of it. Here's Big Ben. Shop, the league can't get rid of him. I said he's, we were Rasputin three weeks ago, Russian history. Like, he's back. He's in the playoffs. Like, you just can't get – the dude just keeps marching on. Uh, but the tie-in between he and Patrick Mahomes, historically, Matt, is one to note. Yeah, it's cool. So Patrick Mahomes has played in a lot of playoff games. We know that. That's obvious. We've seen it over the last several years. As a matter of fact, more than almost anyone at such a young age. So this will be his ninth career playoff game starting at quarterback in the NFL. That's the second most for a player under the age of 27 in the Super Bowl era. It's incredible. I mean, think of all the great quarterbacks in NFL history. Only one other quarterback has started more postseason games before turning 27 in the Super Bowl era than Patrick Mahomes. Big Ben Roethlisberger. It's crazy. It's amazing. And if you think about it, their careers are kind of similar because Big Ben came to the Steelers early on. Uh, they plugged him in there. They went 15-1, and went to the AFC title game. They won the Super Bowl early on in his career. He played in a ton of playoff games early on, had a ton of success early on, and obviously continued that for two decades. The guy's going to end up in Canton uh, one day. So the symmetry of all of it, of Patrick Mahomes off to this incredible start to his career uh, and just keeps going up and up and up and playing in all these playoff games, to be facing Big Ben, who did this 18 years ago, uh, here on Sunday is, is pretty amazing. And this team really epitomizes the mindset of Big Ben. It's something that we've talked about um, all week. 
you think about the Steelers, what an improbable playoff team they are. They had a 2% chance of being the seven seed. Last week on DTK, we talked about all the teams that we could face. The Colts, the Chargers, you know, maybe maybe the Bills, maybe the Patriots. No, it's the Steelers at a 2% chance. They find a way to get in the playoffs uh, because these guys fight. They're relentless, and they, they do that because of their quarterback uh, and their head coach. And Mike Tomlin, like you mentioned, it's really interesting because this team has been outscored by a ton through three quarters this year. As a matter of fact, they've been outscored by 121 points through three quarters this season. That's the most for any team that finished the season with a winning record in NFL history, but yet they fight in the fourth quarter because of guys like Big Ben leading them. They never give up. In the fourth quarter, they're outscoring the opposition by 60 points this year, third best in the NFL. That's why they ended up with nine wins, and that's why they're in the playoffs. And Shop is right. Doesn't matter what happened in the regular season now. Doesn't matter that the Chiefs were the two seed. Doesn't matter that the Steelers squeaked in. What matters is it's do or die it's a playoff game here uh, at GEHA field the Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday and uh, the slates are wiped clean got to take care of business the parallel between the early careers of Mahomes and Roethlisberger you got me going and thinking if you so the first year that Big Ben was a starter he gets to the AFC championship game and loses to New England the next year he gets to the AFC championship game and wins and wins the Super Bowl sound familiar the exact track of Patrick Mahomes. Now, Big Ben, this will be his 23rd playoff game. He's 13 and nine, but he's lost seven of the last 10. The last time Big Ben won a postseason game, it was at my virtual background behind me, at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium in that divisional playoff victory where he didn't have a touchdown pass or run. It was six Chris Boswell field goals. Uh, to beat the Chiefs at 18 to 16. And then that controversial whoops looks like a holding call uh, uh, on Eric Fisher that I still see in my sleep when I wake up. Okay, barbershop. People talk all the time about playoff speed. You played in many playoff games. You were part of some really good teams. When you hear playoff speed, what does that make you think of? To me, more more than anything, uh, when I think about playoff speed, it's not really a going from point A to point B. We're not talking about cheetah speed. We're not talking about uh, track speed. We're talking about your mind. How fast can you uh, break down a defense and make and deliver a pass? On defense, how fast can you recognize the offensive formation, eliminate plays so you can refocus and then go make a play for a tackle for loss? Those are the issues, and I think when you talk about a guy's playing speed, when we talk about in the playoffs, it's a next level. It go, it, it clicks up a little bit. Everything is worth more. Tackles should be worth two. Touchdowns should be worth two. Every reception, every yard should be worth two. You should get double value in the playoffs because everybody all season long, we say we're fighting for those inches. We're fighting for first downs. We want to score touchdowns over field goals. Well, guess what? It goes up exponentially. So this is playoff ball. I think we got to put a, a asterisk behind every yard, every point, every tackle made because now the, uh, the, the, the stakes got a little bit higher. And like I said, from a mindset, you got to be able to refocus. No matter what happens in that game, you got to be able to refocus, bring it back together, and make sure that you finish the game the right way because you want to make sure you have more points in the opponent. Ask Steve Spagnuolo, Chief Defensive Coordinator, the same question because he's coaching a gob of – playoff games and has won two Super Bowls, one with us and then that great upset of the New England Patriots back in 07 with the Giants. He mentioned three things, discipline, Mm -hmm. unselfishness, and also a relentless 
pursuit here. So that's exactly what Chop is saying. And Matt, I've seen guys elevate during the postseason. Think of Damian Williams and what he did for the Chiefs. Not only the run to immortality, but the fact that he was a touchdown machine. In two years, he had 10 playoff touchdowns. Or guys that maybe Rashad Fenton, who had an interception against Houston in the divisional playoff win in 19 and started the entire comeback against San Francisco in Super Bowl 54 by making sure Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get a first down on a scramble run at the boundary. And then Frank Clark has been a beast. Five sacks in the 2019 season, followed up with three last year. That's eight postseason sacks uh, for the Shark. But we see some guys rise and we see some guys melt in the postseason. Yeah, we sure do. And that's what the postseason is all about. That's when you can make legacies. That's when guys are remembered for moments in their career is because they happened in the postseason. And you have to make sure, like Shop said, you're focusing in on every single play. You know, Patrick Mahomes spoke to the media earlier today, and he talked about in his career, he's learned that postseason games truly are decided on just a handful of plays. Any single play can change a game. Think about McCole Hartman in the divisional round of the postseason back in 2019, the road to the Lombardi Trophy. We always talk about the 24-point comeback against the Texans, but something had to start that comeback, right? And it was McCole Hartman's kickoff return for 58 yards that really ignited everything. For the Chiefs, you can't allow the Steelers to have that kind of moment. And in this game where you're favored by a whole bunch, you got to go into this and just make sure you're playing Chiefs football. Not the football we saw early on this season where they were turning the ball over and committing penalties. We've talked all year long about how the only team that can really beat the Chiefs is the Chiefs. It's self-inflicted wounds. And if the Chiefs can go into this game, play their brand of football, much like they did in Week 16, where they're playing sound on offense, defense, and special teams, not creating any issues for themselves and taking advantage of the issues the other team creates, that's Chiefs football. And if we can see that here on Sunday, the Chiefs will be in good shape. Shop, I want to ask you about T.J. Watt. Now, one of the things the Chiefs have done very well against him, this will be his fourth game against the Chiefs. And let me check his playoff. He's gonna, this is going to be his third playoff game in his career. He has no sacks against the Chiefs, no sacks in the postseason. This dude had 22 and a half sacks. But I talked to him with Matt about it earlier this week. Some guys hit home runs in baseball and have 30 home runs and 50 RBI. Some guys have 30 home runs and have 100 RBI, meaning – the sacks that T.J. Watt gets is almost exponential growth. You look at the yards he gets, five of their nine wins, five of the nine wins by the Steelers this year, it's been T.J. Watt to have a forced fumble game-changing sack strip. What about T.J. Watt and the Chiefs can continue to try to keep him out of the game plan, out of the wrecking the game plan? So the unique thing about T.J. Watt is he's kind of dangerous when you handle him. He's like a stick of dynamite. Right? He's really explosive. He can make some outstanding plays. But what he needs, he needs that wick. He needs some kind of element to really set him off. And so, like you said, it's been feast of fam with him. When teams don't have capable offensive tackles or capable coaches of how to design offensive sets to prevent him from having a, a short edge, he's been able to rack up three, four sacks in one ball game. When someone has a, a, a solid edge or they know how to bring a tackle, inset or tackle running back set to his side and make him make a long corner the only thing he can rely on at that point is his counter move so i think tj watt is about knowing where he is knowing where he lined up but also not giving him that wick to set off that stick of dynamite so let's look at what the chiefs can do better you're thinking wait a minute they won 36 to 10 in this game three weeks ago but what can they do better and i'll just throw this one out there they were four of 11 on third down in this game they didn't have travis kelsey got it 
Uh, the Steelers didn't have Pat Fryermuth either. Chiefs didn't have Nick Bolton. But they were just 4 of 11 on third down. If the Steelers are going to win this game, they somehow have to be like they were in 2016 because they were in control of that whole day. Even though it was a close game, it was like my ball, my rules. And the Chiefs, we know, are the best third down converting team in this league over 12 seasons uh, since the 2011 Saints. But, Matt, the Chiefs were 4 of 11 on third down. If they can get this kind of whiz-bang, keep it rolling, because the Chiefs did use the short field in that game. They had some sack strip fumbles themselves. They had interception and used the short field. This might be a game where you have to prepare that you don't get the short field and stay efficient and stay on the field. Yeah, the good news is they'll have Travis Kelsey this time around. We forget about that, but no Travis Kelsey in that game. It was a real testament to the offense that they were able to do what they were able to do without Travis Kelsey for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career, basically, since his first game ever back in 2017. So we'll have Travis Kelsey back in this game, and that obviously goes a long way for this offense. And Tyree Kill as well. He was fresh off the COVID list in that Week 16 game. Only had a couple targets in that game. I think he was still kind of recuperating uh, from being on the COVID list. Didn't practice all week. So the good news is those guys are healthy, ready to go for this game. That obviously gives you a big boost offensively. What that game did show me, though, in Week 16 is how this offense can play without their best players. Guys like Byron Pringle stepped up in that game. Darrell Williams stepped up uh, in that game. Blake Bell had some big catches. So that was really encouraging to see the evolution of this offense, that they can move the ball even if they don't have their big guys. But now that we have everybody, you're right. you got to make sure that you're you're playing really a perfect football game offensively. Got to be better on third down. Not turning the ball over, not uh, having penalties, things like that. No negative plays in this game. Because the thing that you can't do when you're a heavy favorite against the Pittsburgh Steelers here is you cannot give them reason to hope early on. You can't be in a hole early on or it's really close because that's what the Steelers do so well. Like I mentioned earlier, they fight and they play games to the very end. So if you allow allow them to stick around to have a chance in this game, that's where it gets a little bit sticky. So got to make sure the Chiefs are going out, scoring early, often, get a big lead early on, then hold on to it. But I'm hoping for a really seamless start offensively in this game to really get things going. Yeah, the Steelers crazy are last against the run in the NFL, but they're very good in red zone defense. They're fourth uh, in the league, although the Chiefs were four of six in the red zone in that game three weeks ago. They're going to need that kind of performance again. We'll close this way with you, Shop. And the Chiefs defense, now we've seen opponents for the last two weeks, they convert a third and 27, and last week a third and 14. Uh, What about getting the Steelers off the field? You mentioned Najee Harris. I mean, he was fourth in the league in rushing. We talk about Jonathan Taylor and Dalvin Cook. I don't know if this guy got enough discussion. Uh, and then the wide receivers. What are the keys defensively for this defense of the Chiefs to get their swag back and get some three and outs and get these guys off the field? Well, I think we just got to understand what they do offensively. Offensively, they feed the beast, right? And, and Harris is a beast. He's probably had a higher percentage of uh, rushes for any one team. Uh, he doesn't leave the field for long. Out of a 20-play series, if he has to take a water break, he's out for one or maybe two plays, gets a squid water, and he's back in there. He doesn't want anyone taking any of his carries away. And that's kind of his, 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 his mindset. He always wants to be in the game. But what you see is a little bit too much east-west in this game. Um, if he can continue to go north-south, if they can create some, some seams and some creases in the defense, that allows him to get to that second and third level. And that's when he really takes advantage of being the, the, a bigger running back. Our guys have done a great job of creating a solid wall whole game against Pittsburgh, even early in the game on that fourth down call, which was a crucial turn in momentum, um, having them go on that fourth and one. We stopped them cold. Our guys, what we do, we pursue, we pursue, 
and we, we pursue even more. All 11 guys to the ball, through the ring of the whistle, um, and this is what it's about. Playoff football is taking nothing for granted. Breaking out the pack D-line, linebackers taking the proper angles, backside corners and safeties running to the ball every single play expecting a turnover. We got a peanut punch, punch. We got a high point the ball for interceptions. Honey Badger got to be Honey Badger. Uh, um, Chris Jones got to be Chris Jones. Willie Gay got to be Willie Gay. All we need for our guys is to be who they've been all season. We don't need anything more, anything less, but they have to play collectively one as 11. All 11 guys playing as one so we can beat these Pittsburgh Steelers. That is Sean Barber, a.k.a. the Barbershop, a.k.a. the Spider-Man, and Matt McMullen, a.k.a. Matt Stat, who's been digging deep this week. Man, you got to follow him because he's got some awesome nuggets for this game. This uh, super wild card weekend game, Sunday night football, the Chiefs against the Steelers. Special thanks to the folks at 360 Vodka. They are the sponsors of our Defending the Kingdom podcast, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs, and, of course, the Chiefs Kingdom. Thanks to all of you who are listening, some watching all the way around the world. We love it. Get ready to attack the playoffs uh, here in the Chiefs Kingdom. Touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins in our